So, so you're going trash because of how nostalgic and how good it makes you feel? Exactly, Tom. You understand exactly. That's, my that's chess, process. not checkers. Yeah, you're right. You got me there. Hello, everyone, and welcome into There Is A Lot Going On, the only podcast that paid for a recount in Wisconsin and received less votes the second time. My name's Daryl Royo. Joined, as always, my friend, my pal, Tom Shively. Tom, how's it going over there? Uh, Sunday night, we're doing well. Another episode of There's A Lot Going On coming up. Uh, had a nice Thanksgiving. Had to work, which kind of sucked, but, you know, we're back at it now, and uh, we're on to Christmas. Hey, I, I worked the day after Thanksgiving, which at my company is an official holiday, which means double time, baby. That's what you love to see. Oh, you know, I got double time Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Christmas Eve got flexed to a holiday this year, too. So talking about flexing it to the 820 slot, we're flexing Christmas Eve to a holiday this year. So we're here for it. Well, Tom, before we get too far into this podcast, I just want to remind people that if you enjoy the show, be sure to go on to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, leave us a review. In that review, if you have any questions for us, topics you want us to discuss, ideas for cash or trash, you can leave those on our iTunes page. And uh, just one more thing, Tom, I announced it this week on Twitter, but for those of us who aren't following us yet on Twitter, at TalgoPod, by the way, on Twitter... Uh, we are officially a part of the Blue Wire Hustle family. So if you don't know, Blue Wire is a podcast network. They have a lot of sports podcasts. You may know them from any number of their shows. I know right now they have a Freddie Adu podcast that is very popular and trending upward on the top charts on iTunes. So we are part of their Hustle family, which is a group of smaller podcasters all kind of working together, growing our podcast in unison. And so just wanted to announce that here. Tom and I are both very excited about that opportunity and uh, yeah Tom I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that or if we just want to move on there's a ton of cool people we're going to be working with so uh, hopefully we'll have some of them on the show in the future and just kind of again expanding our network and uh, seeing what else is out there so we're looking forward to it yeah Tom I would say we're definitely going to be having some of those people on the podcast so stay tuned into the future and you know we may be plugging some of those podcasts here and there so you just kind of stay tuned pay attention to our twitter we'll be retweeting a lot of those people and just check out a lot of those people if you if you like us you'll most likely like those podcasts as well no you know i'll put my foot my my flag in the ground you'll definitely like those podcasts too uh, but be sure to do that. Like I said, go on, rate us on iTunes and check out some of the other Blue Wire Hustle podcasts. And if you're tuned into this podcast, just know it's going to still be the exact same podcast. Nothing is changing. We're still going to be exactly as wacky and wild as we have always been. And with that, let's get into the first story this week, Tom. The NFL has been stricken with COVID this week. The Baltimore Ravens had their game pushed back with the Pittsburgh Steelers all the way to Tuesday. I think last I saw they had 18 now positive tests within the Ravens organization. I think that's just players. It's 18 or 19 players that have all tested positive on the COVID-19 reserve list. The Steelers, I think, as well now have three positive tests. So that game is supposed to be played on Tuesday. We'll see if it actually is played on Tuesday. But on the other end of the spectrum, yesterday night, the Denver Broncos had it had been determined that all of their quarterbacks were now at risk, high risk of having contracted COVID-19 because one of their quarterbacks had COVID-19 and they were all hanging out in the facility, no masks on, forcing them to start a practice squad player at quarterback. His name, of course, is Kendall Hinton. 
so he went out there. He was a Wake Forest quarterback uh, in college. Now is playing wide receiver on the practice squad. Didn't have a great game game today in a 31 to three loss to the New Orleans Saints. But I mean, what can you expect for a guy that is literally taking zero practice reps at quarterback? But Tom, what, what do you kind of think? How, how do you kind of read this situation right here going on between the NFL and kind of how they're handling COVID-19 at this point? Well, I mean, they've been kind of lax on it from the start. I think it's it's obvious to a lot of people that there, there aren't many uniform kind of conclusions from the NFL. Even going back to, you know, week four or five when it was the Titans and, you know, they had their game postponed. But meanwhile, you know, the Patriots had a couple players and they had to play. And, you know, the 49ers have had an outbreak and they had to play. And it's just inconsistency from the NFL and it. And I don't know why, because theoretically it should be cookie cutter. If this happens, you don't play. If this happens, we do this. And it rubs me a little bit the wrong way that some of these teams, you know, have players like with the Cowboys last week, Andy Dalton, for example, saying, you know, I still can't really taste or smell, but I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to go out there. So a lot of these guys that still have symptoms and there's just kind of this up and down with you say one thing for one team and then something else for a different team. And there's just no uniformity. So I think that goes kind of hand in hand with the NFL. Not they were well underprepared, as I'm sure you're going to touch on. They, you know, had six months from when the pandemic really hit here to the start of the season. I think they spent four of those months thinking it'll be over by the time the season starts, so we don't have to worry about it. And then they got to the last two months, and they were like, "Oh, we got to start putting protocols in place, and we're we're not ready for this." And and they're still not ready for it because they're so focused on trying to get through the season and you know getting all their money and all of that type of thing that comes with a league season and it there it seems like their player safety isn't the priority I guess is my biggest takeaway it's more NFL convenience than do we actually care about keeping the players safe yeah I mean to me that was obvious from the start when they kind of took the approaches they did to get the season underway I and I felt like such a haste hasty manner where you know a lot of players weeks before the season was about to start were like we still don't know how this is going to happen what the protocols are they tried to bring fans back as quickly as possible a lot of these stadiums are still allowing fans into their stadiums and so you just look at the NFL's response as a whole and you you just can see how poorly they've done I mean you look at granted baseball had a rough go of it early but they eventually i feel like figured it out largely and then you know playoffs came around they moved to this bubble scenario and things ran a lot more smoothly where in the nfl it just seems like it it started off poorly and it has never gotten better they had a couple weeks there where it was like oh they maybe they figured it out and now here we are again as numbers are rising across the United States, they're also having a terrible go of it. I saw something today, the Ravens have just a, a few less cases than like an entire country in Europe. I forget what country it was, but I saw that on Twitter today. And that just speaks not only to the NFL's handling of the coronavirus, but uh, the country as a whole has just not done a good job handling this. But I, I think the NFL could have done more than what they're doing now. What those things are, I mean, I'm no epidemiologist, I don't know. But the, we just saw the NFL, or not the NFL, we just saw the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB have successful seasons without you know COVID-19 completely tanking them. And the NFL, it looks like we're heading in a direction where their season's going to be shut down by coronavirus. So, I, I mean, what that says about the league and how they handle it, I'm not sure, but it's not a great sign. It, it is 
tough to do the NFL in a bubble. So I don't think that would have ever really been feasible for them. Baseball the same kind of way. But you mentioned like the baseball playoff structure. And what they did is they actually started punishing people for being exposed to COVID. You know, they suspended people for two weeks. They did all these protocols that, hey, you don't follow this. Bad things are going to happen. You're, there are going to be repercussions. The NFL has just been kind of like, eh, you know, we'll play the game next week. And it's been, you, like you mentioned, the kind of American response that America is tired of the pandemic, which is which is the, the most unsurprising statement ever that people are just, all right, let's move on. Like, we're sick of this. Like, it's, it's over. They're just declaring it over before it ended. And Again, I think the NFL is just overlooking this and and trying so hard to get the season in, and and it's been a little bit of luck, really, more so than you know the NFL really taking advantage. I it's a little shocking to me that we got to Week Twelve before having a an outbreak of Ravens size, and I I don't think it'll be the last one this season. And does it cancel the season? Would it surprise anybody? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think the NFL is going to cancel their season, but they might have to put it on pause for a couple of weeks. Like they, they need to reevaluate, I think, the way they've been viewing it, which is like the Super Bowl is a hard date. We have to hit this date when it's not like you can move that date because guess what? The networks don't care when you play the Super Bowl because it is the most watched sporting event, the most watched television event, period, as long as there's not a World Cup. So like it, it, you can move the Super Bowl and you'll be fine. But the NFL is trading it like, no, no, that's the Super Bowl. That's when we always have it. We can't move it. If we move it, everything else collapses when we are literally watching the NBA having moved a large portion of their season and the playoffs into a different time period and have figured out like, all right, let's just get it. We're going to keep going. Like players have a little bit less time in the offseason, but we're going to keep going. Uh, I don't want to touch on COVID-19 for too long because I think it's a really downer topic. And I, I think a lot of people aren't coming to us to listen to that because like I said, we're not epidemiologists. We we can only do what we know. But what I will say, please wear a mask. If you can social distance, try not to hang out with people who don't live in your house. Unless of course you're like Tom or I, and you have to go to work, please do everything in your power. Stay safe. Make sure you don't get COVID-19 because you don't know, you know, the overwhelming effects of this long-term. So please everyone stay safe. Uh, for the Broncos, I think on the bright side, Kendall Hinton, I mean, he only threw for about 60, 65, I think less yards than Taysom Hill. I mean, that's what I've been told as an NFL starting quarterback. So it sounds like a pretty good day. If you're uh, the Broncos uh, on that front, maybe they just found their backup quarterback. Tom, you have thoughts on that one? I don't know, man. They got four, they have Blake Bortles. So as far as he, I know he's the chief backup quarterback. He, I would have loved to see Blake Bortles in that game. You could, I mean, he might win it, but one thing you brought up, the bubble is kind of an interesting idea for the NFL. Maybe somewhere like Los Angeles that has, obviously, you got the Rams Stadium where both the Rams and the Chargers used to play. You got USC, UCLA are all around there. So you got plenty of fields if you wanted to do that. And, you know, maybe that's something the NFL wants to think about. I think given the number of players on NFL rosters and then coaching staffs, I think you would need need two sites, much like what baseball did. Uh, I think you would probably do like an LA and like I saw Arlington, Texas. But the, the problem with LA specifically is they are a more liberal city. And so they've started to to really ramp up their restrictions. And I'm not sure if LA would allow that kind of travel into their city. I mean, you look at the Niners now don't have a home in uh, Santa Clara County uh, up there in San Francisco. So, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see 
what they do. I think they probably will go to a bubble come playoff time, but it, it's a lot harder to do a bubble in the NFL than it is in, say, basketball because of the number of personnel on all these teams. But moving on from terrible quarterback play, coronavirus, all that downer stuff too. If you're a Chiefs fan, a very good day throwing the football from your future Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, I'm ready to say it already. Patrick Mahomes, future Hall of Famer. The Kansas City Chiefs took down the Tampa Bay Bucks 27 to 24 earlier today. Um, the Bron- the Broncos. Why am I still on the Broncos? The Bucks made a go of it at the end of that game. Uh, Tom Brady, though, not his best performance. Once again, through two interceptions, announcers continue to make every excuse under the sun for what used to be the greatest quarterback of all time. And yes, he still is that, but he is not playing like that anymore. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, monster day, 37 for 49, 462 yards, three touchdowns. Tyree Kill, 13 catches, 269 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he had 200 and I think three yards after the end of the first quarter. So, I mean, Tom, you you kind of you hear that 27 to 24 monster day from the Chiefs. What, what was your takeaway from this game? I really didn't learn anything about either team, to be honest. The Chiefs went in there and they stormed up the, on the Buccaneers. You know, they were up 17 to nothing early. They, they you know, as close as Tampa Bay got, they didn't get within one score until, you know, the last few minutes there. And then Kansas City was just kind of able to bleed the clock out. But they were in control the whole game. And it, it looked like the best team in the NFL putting away a team that a lot of people thought might be the best team in the NFC. And it's just inconsistency after inconsistency from Tampa Bay. Kansas City, you know what you're going to get with Mahomes. You know what you're going to get with Tyreek Hill. Obviously, you're not going to get 270 yards every game from him. That's not realistic. But you get the explosiveness of Kansas City. And it exposed a little bit of, you know, Tampa Bay's secondary is concerning. And there are questions with that team that when you look at the Chiefs, a couple of weaknesses, maybe, but not that a team like the Bucks can exploit. And so Tom Brady's old. He's 43 years old. You know, it's, it's not surprising to see him go around throwing interceptions. You know, we're seeing the same stuff with Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and all these guys that are getting older. And this is just another kind of passing the torch moment that Tom Brady is behind us almost. And, and Mahomes is here. The Chiefs are here to stay. They're going to be good for years. I think the chief problem, though, not not the Chiefs' problem, the chief problem, the number one problem the Tampa Bay Bucks have is Bruce Arians is the problem this team has. Because not only is he consistently going out there and throwing under the bus the quarterback they paid this offseason to replace the terrible quarterback they had last year, but his offense doesn't make any sense for the quarterback that he has. He's consistently trying to throw downfield big play after big play, and that's not the quarterback you have. We have never seen Tom Brady do that. And the one year he did do that, he wasn't 43 years old. You're asking a 43-year-old to be Patrick Mahomes, and it's not going to happen. It's just not. He also had Randy Moss, who's a top five receiver ever that year. Uh, and did you see the graphic that CBS put up about, I think it was the last six quarterbacks that have been in the first season under Arians have all had career highs and in interceptions. It's just something about learning his system that when you have someone like Tom Brady, you don't have a year to learn the system. Like that's just, you have to be smarter than that. You can't implement all these new things for a guy that maybe has two seasons left. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't even think it's implementing things though. I I think Bruce Arians is just doing too much where he's trying to get these big plays after big plays. And again, Tom Brady's 43. He doesn't have a cannon of an arm anymore. Like he never really had a cannon to begin with, but he always threw a pretty nice deep ball and he just can't do that anymore. So you're asking a quarterback who his number one asset is his mind. And you're asking, you're basically taking that away because you're like, hey, 
The receivers are all running deep. Hit one of them. One of them will be open. And it, it just, the offense doesn't really make any sense. I think they need to simplify the offense. And if they don't, Bruce Arians is going to be out of a job this offseason because I think for the Bucks, their expectation was Super Bowl or bust. It's a home Super Bowl this year. And their expectation was we have an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. And maybe Bruce Arians isn't the guy to get them there. But I mean, on that other sideline, the Chiefs are clicking, man. And I think the Steelers are eventually going to get a couple of losses here. And if the Chiefs get that number one seed, pencil them to the Super Bowl. I mean, no team can hang, especially on offense with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this team is unreal. I've never seen anything like this. They are as unbeatable a team as I can remember watching since I've started watching the NFL. They obviously they lost this season. Obviously, they lost to the Raiders. You know, they played. They've had some close games. You know, they took the Chargers. They played OT. They had another tight one with the Raiders. They're mortal, but. This is as well-rounded as a football team as I can remember watching, at least in the last 10 years. I would put them up against any Super Bowl champion from the last 10 years. When the Chiefs are on, like they, they're they unstoppable. Like You can't beat the Chiefs when they're playing at their best. And the problem with the Chiefs is even when they're not playing at their best, at any moment a, fl- a switch can flip and suddenly they're down 21 and then they're up 7. And I mean, you saw it last year in the playoff game against the Texans. You saw it last year in the Super Bowl against the Niners. Like they will be down big and then suddenly they're winning. And that's just the magic of the Kansas City Chiefs and that offense they've created. And it's something Andy Reid's always been really good at where he can draw plays for his quarterbacks where, you know, he he just knows how to scheme guys open. And I would say probably the last 20 years, he's the smartest offensive mind we've had in the last 20 years. I mean, Andy Reid has has transformed his play calling, his style on offense year over year over year and is always ready for what's best. And he's the only guy who has consistently given Bill Belichick trouble, which I think says a lot about how good of an offensive mind Andy Reid is to be able to give Bill Belichick such a great defensive mind any sort of trouble. John Harbaugh's giving him trouble too, to be fair, but it is what it is. I I, I agree with you with Andy Reid, though, best offensive mind. That I agree with. Well, from one offensive showcase to an absolute offensive explosion by the Tennessee Titans beating the Indianapolis Colts 45-26. to They take sole possession of the AFC South with this win. Uh, when you look at the stats, I mean, not really too impressive from anybody except for Derrick Henry, who had 27 carries for 178 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, another monster day from him. Yeah, A.J. Brown had four catches, 98 yards and a touchdown. But really, I think I think the story here is yes, Derrick Henry's great. Yes, the Tennessee Titans have kind of found their groove again. But man, I don't know what happened to the Colts after it was 14-14 because it was 14-14. And then from that point forward, it just looked like the offense was out of sync. Phillip Rivers couldn't find his open receivers. He really like, he just seemed out of rhythm the entire rest of that game. I think the offense is what it is with Phillip Rivers. They they let Derrick Henry run all over them, and Derrick Henry's had a couple slow weeks the last few weeks, and he he did what he did today, and they just couldn't have an answer for the Titans' offense. You know, they scored 21 points in the second quarter, 21. They're up 14 at halftime, and yeah, the offense stunk it up. They went to Brissett kind of at the end after Phillip wasn't working for him, and he was okay, but... The Colts are kind of fraudy, and I th- and I think they there's a lot of weaknesses with that team that 
are are going to be exposed by better teams. And the Titans, you mentioned after beating the Ravens last week, they look that this might be the best they've looked all season. And it was what two weeks ago that the Colts went in and killed them on Thursday night. And now, you know what happened? I I don't know. Philip Rivers, he's old. the The offense is inconsistent. You know they rely too much. Jonathan Taylor was out, which didn't help. But Hines is still a solid back, and they have some decent weapons on offense. But I just don't see it in the Colts. You know, they're a first-round exit team in the playoffs if they even get there. And there's there's a lot of question marks on the offensive side still. Now, let me ask you, right now the Titans' first-round matchup would be against the Dolphins. Are are they – I think we kind of agree it's like it's Steelers-Chiefs are the top of the AFC right now. Are they that next team? Is there another team? Like how far could the Titans go? I I think there's kind of two – top tiers in the AFC. I think you got the well, the Chiefs are kind of 1A, Steelers are 1B. The Chiefs are obviously much better than the Steelers, I think, but I think the Bills and the Titans are the two other teams that you would put in kind of that second tier that they could put up a fight against the Chiefs or Steelers in the divisional round and those are games I'd want to watch, but I don't I don't I I'd obviously pick the Chiefs and Steelers. So I think Titans are level there with the Bills as kind of jockeying for third best team. So, you know, certainly they could get to the AFC Championship, it wouldn't shock anybody. Yeah, the Titans are really weird because I feel like they play a style of football that feels so off-brand for 2020, and it works. I mean, Derrick Henry, I mean, it's hard to tackle a guy who's 6'3", 250 pounds. I mean, he's just an animal, and they have found the formula of just, we're going to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, you know what we're going to do, try and tackle him. I, I wish you all of the luck in trying to tackle him. Well, they have Derrick Henry, and then A.J. Brown is just D.K. Metcalf, like, without the shirtless selfies. This The guy's an animal. You know, he, he took back an onside kick. You know, he had that long touchdown run that the entire team couldn't tackle him. He he is a beast, and I think he's kind of forgotten with, you know, Corey Davis was the high pick a few years ago. He was the number five overall pick. He was kind of the flashy guy, and they obviously rely on Derrick Henry, but A.J. Brown is a man, and it's tough for any cornerback to stop him. Even Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be tough for him to stop. And something they highlighted on the broadcast that I appreciate, which is, I mean, Corey Davis had a good game, by the way. He's had a couple, he's really come on, I feel like, this year as a a very good number two, maybe number three NFL wide receiver. But I mean, obviously, he was a lottery pick, so people saw him. Well, they don't have a lottery, but you know what I mean, top 10 pick. He was seen as more than what he is, but they did a good job today of highlighting on the broadcast the blocking by the Titans wide receivers. And that really, like, their commitment to want to do that is why Derrick Henry has the lane that he does on the outside and their ability to block has been such a a plus for the Tennessee Titans and I I assume it will continue to be a plus as the competition gets even harder during the playoffs Uh, Tom we're going to shift gears now this was a team I tweeted last week was the best team in the NFC and then they immediately went out there made me eat my words the Los Angeles Rams fell to the San Francisco 49ers today, 23-20. to uh, Jared Goff, not his best performance, 19 for 31, 198 and two picks. We're going to have to have the mob squad pod on to talk about the Rams at some point, especially if they make the playoffs. But after last week, I was looking at them as, well, that's the team to beat in the NFC. Look how good they are. They, they can stop you up front. They can stop you in the secondary. Because the way I looked at it, right, that Aaron Donald – 
plus some good pass rushers. Because you have to focus two to three... Oop, I punched my mic again. Because you have to focus two to three guys on Aaron Donald, they create this this team that can get after the quarterback, and then you have Jalen Ramsey on your best wide receiver, which can lock him... Like, he's a lockdown number one cornerback in this league. And then today, they just don't get the offensive performance they need. And it, it's just maddening the NFC this year, because every time you think you found the team who's, yep, there they are. That's the contender. That's the best team in the NFC. They go out and lay an egg and here they go. They lose to the Nick Mullins led San Francisco 49ers. They're getting some guys back though. San Francisco. Um, I'll give them credit, but I never got the thought process behind a Jared Goff led team is the best in the NFC. There's too many inconsistencies on offense and the defense took a touchdown back today. They played, well enough but yeah you know they let san francisco march down the field at the end to get in field goal range and they you know there's a lack of execution you know they looked really good against seattle they looked really good against tampa but again they're inconsistent they got a little bit of colts in them i think they're much better than indianapolis but i i think the book the secret's kind of out on the rams you they got their super bowl run in 2018 and they really kind of haven't been the same team since i think people have started to figure them out you know you have the the, they used to have the triple threat with uh, Cooks, Woods, and Cup. Obviously, you're down to Woods and Cup now. But they they get offense. I think they have to use Woods more. He he got a ton of touches in the Tampa game. He did not today. But they they are frustrating. You're right. Did he not? I don't know. I didn't. Woods had uh, seven catches for 80 yards. So add this one to the the list of Tom uh, mess-ups on the podcast. It's okay, though. That's what we're here for, to correct you. Oh, I also uh, said I, also, I said Minka was a corner. He's a free safety, too. That's that's that's. I realized that after I said that. That's my eh, fault. Modern-day NFL, he plays all over the field. I'll, I'll give you a, a strong pass on that one. I, I just The Rams are maddening to me because they have, I would argue they have one of the more talented teams in football, and it, it's, it's quarterback play, and it's just like you said execution and that that's got to fall on Sean McVay at some point like they just consistently feel like they can't execute in big moments and you know I I saw someone else tweet this today if Jared Goff was a quarterback almost anywhere else I feel like we'd be killing him because this is a second straight week they won last week but he threw two picks last week didn't look great pretty inconsistent like he he is putting up a very dare I say Carson Wentz-esque performance this year just with slightly less turnovers granted yes Carson Wentz has had a ton of turnovers but like Jared Goff hasn't been much better than Carson Wentz but because he plays in Los Angeles and there's so much going on in Los Angeles there's not this glaring spotlight on him and so we don't talk about it as much but both the top picks in the 2016 draft have been nothing but underwhelming this last two I mean at least this year minimum no comment on Wentz. I've been kind of out on Wentz for a while, but Goff kind of is who he is. I mean, I think he had a good year when they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, he had a good enough year. It was he's never been in the MVP conversation, but he just he's not going to win you a title. And the, the defense is enough to rely on. But you know, in the NFL, as as much as people say it, I I don't believe defense wins championships anymore. And you can't rely on it that much, especially when there's teams like the Chiefs out there. Well, Tom, we're going to put your theory to the test of does de- of does defenses win championships? And we head to your favorite team facing off against your new favorite team. So it's it's like the old wife facing meeting the new wife for the first time. The New England Patriots took down your and yes, I'm 
labeling them as your Arizona Cardinals, 20 to 17. Cardinals are now six and five, I believe still in the playoff picture, but like barely, they're like right on teetering on that edge of the playoff picture. Um, Patriots stay in the hunt. I mean, not a great day for Kyler Murray. He had no touchdowns, one pick only threw for 170 yards. I mean, Tom speak for your Arizona Cardinals. What happened? First of all, I am first and foremost still a New England Patriots fan. I would like to defend my honor there. I will always root for the Patriots, no matter who they play against. Uh, so I was happy to see the Patriots win. But it's, you know, it's like, what did it cost? Everything is kind of what the moment was there. And it, it hurt to see my child, Kyler Murray, play so poorly in that game against, you know, a good defense, but fairly depleted this year. And they, they get scored on a ton. And to see Arizona put up seven points in the second half, I I don't know what it was. It almost seemed like, you know, they contained Murray a little bit more than a lot of other teams have. I think Belichick really put into place and kind of made Murray throw. And he is not as good of a quarterback when he doesn't have that running element as, you know, any running quarterback would be when they are kept in the pocket and didn't throw any touchdowns, didn't run for any touchdowns. I mean, uh, Drake had a couple, but... It, it was it was all Patriots in the second half. It was classic. Like it was very reminiscent of what they did with Lamar Jackson two weeks ago. And obviously the weather played into a factor when they played the Ravens, but they just kind of didn't let him get a lot going. And he looked uncomfortable. He looked like a second year quarterback. And Belichick flexes his muscles yet again. And I hate to use the word inconsistency so much, but the Arizona Cardinals another one of those good NFC t- teams that you know could go out there and lay an egg any week. And so. It is frustrating to see another quiet day from Hopkins. Kirk had a quiet day, so just not not the best day for the Arizona offense. Well, Tom, two questions then for you because I think you're kind of the expert on this topic here on this podcast. Patriots are now five and six. They are. Let me count my games here. I think two games back of the Colts for a playoff spot. So two games back, uh, still a couple weeks here to go. I mean, math is not my strong suit, so I'm not going to try and figure that one out on the fly. I think you are telling me there's five weeks left in the season. So five more weeks, two games back. Tom, do the Patriots make the playoffs? Let's do a little upcoming schedule for the Pats. Let's walk you through the five games. Nothing we love more on this podcast than pulling up the upcoming Uh, schedule. LA LA Chargers next week is an intriguing one. They got the back-to-back LA swing. They got Chargers-Rams, who are both beatable. My my honest opinion is they go one and one there. Uh, it would require them to then sweep the division the last three games. They get the Bills at home, uh, which I think they're sitting at nine and seven, which this year will be enough to make the playoffs. I'm going seven seed. I am putting them in the playoffs. Let's get it. Uh, Tom, I, I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction, which was the Patriots who go seven and nine or eight and eight, and they will not make the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about that one, given the point we are in the season right now. Uh, Tom, that's enough for NFL talk. It's now time for everyone's favorite segment, Cash or Trash. Tom, this week's topic was inspired by Nate Robinson getting knocked out by Jake Paul on, I think the app's called Thriller or Triller. I, to be Triller, honest, Triller, I think. Triller, I think. It is Triller. Okay, Triller. I mean, I, terrible name. We got to gotta discuss that one. But there was a boxing match on Triller. It was for the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight. The earlier fight, I mean, there was a couple, but the one right before was Nate Robinson versus YouTube personality and resident a-hole Jake Paul. Uh, Nate Robinson proceeded to walk out there and get knocked out in the second round. I mean, just knocked out cold, looked like he was, he was walking into punches. It was terrible. So 
Inspired by Nate Robinson, we are, of course, going to do second careers, cash or trash on second careers, and we'll start with boxing as your second career. So, of course, Nate Robinson's first career was basketball, second career, boxing. So, Tom, cash or trash, boxing as a second career. First of all, it's really tough to see somebody like universally loved like Nate Robinson get their uh, butt handed to them on a platter by somebody so hated. It, it was terrible. It was it was terrible for like good guys. Like the good guys did not win in this scenario, and it was it was very twenty twenty. Um, and just for that, I'm going trash. Like you can't be an athlete and then go out there and get smoked by a YouTube personality. I get it. Jake Paul's probably in the gym like twenty six hours a day, but come on, Nate Robinson. Come on, athletes. Like go retire, go live in Cabo or do whatever you want. Don't don't go. Like you made your money. You don't need to go get beat up. Come on, trash. So, Tom, I'm going to do something that doesn't normally happen on this show. I'm also going to go trash, but I'm going to go with the logical perspective here. This is trash because Nate Robinson tried to go so quickly from one career to the other. He basically had six months of training. Jake Paul has been boxing now for like two years. And if you get into the ring with anybody who's been boxing longer than you, that's probably going to be the result. You're going to get knocked out like that. Like that, that's just kind of what happens. And so you hate to see it. You know, Nate Robinson will now be a meme forever. He let down all of us, literally everybody, including Jake Paul's family. I'm sure they would have also enjoyed to see him get knocked out. So this is terrible. This is trash all the way around. Nate Robinson, how dare you do this to literally everybody on the internet? Tom, acting as a second career, we of course know plenty of athletes who have done this, some of them even while they were still playing. I mean, LeBron James is an actor now. Michael Jordan was an actor during his playing career. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal acted at one point. Uh, I think he'll come up again later in this. So Tom, acting as a second career, cash or trash? Shaq, I think, is more known for his endorsements than his acting, which which is phenomenal to me. But I think it's cash. I, you know, it's... I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I said cash. I thought about it. I'm going to change it to trash because they're not very good actors and they're using their name to uh, kind of get them roles. And it's a little bit of, it's kind of daddy got me this job kind of vibe with athletes that become actors. So I'm going trash. They don't do it on merit. So trash. Oh, this is, you've thrown a wrench into my thinking. Uh, I'm going to still go cash mostly because I find it entertaining like think think about I mean oh here's a great example Mike Tyson and The Hangover is that not entertaining like I I think when you when the role is written well for it's you know like any actor when they get the right role it works Mike Tyson and The Hangover works Shaq as uh, the the genie magician thing I forget what the movie's called uh, Tom help me out do you know what it's called the genie no. Uh, he's Aladdin? in some helpful this isn't helpful at all but it, it when, when it works it works there was another guy I was thinking of who was also an actor in a movie oh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in uh in airplane that was when funny it, I will give that credit when it works it works so I'm gonna go cash on acting as a second career uh Tom Athletes uh, time, time out though time out Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is himself in airplane for the record so there's a little asterisk next to that one I mean, Mike Tyson is also himself. That's what in I'm saying. Yeah, come on, the hangover. You're, you're yourself. It's 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 a cameo. Like I, don't, I mean, it is what it is. What about Rick Fox? Rick Fox went from basketball to acting. Does that? I mean, uh, yeah, the, I mean, there's bright spots. Yeah, but it's more the writing than the actual actor. You kind of hit on that yourself. All right, fair enough. Uh, Tom, being a rapper as a second career. So you know, again, a lot of these guys do it while they're still playing. But I mean, 
NBA is full of examples here. We got Lonzo Ball. We got Damian Lillard. We got Shaquille O'Neal. We got Allen Iverson, the pioneer of the game. LeBron James has appeared to dabble in it. Kevin Durant has appeared to dabble in it. It's just everyone does it. So, Tom, rapping as a second career, cash or trash? I, I've, I've thought long and hard about this one. I, I'm going to go cash because I like the creativity that comes with rapping. I think that there takes a certain amount of, of self-confidence to put yourself out there and just be willing to go, this is me. This is what I put, especially with rap where there, are, I think are a lot of harsh critics of rap, you know, more so than other genres. And to come out there and obviously know that you have a platform and know that people are going to listen is almost more terrifying than some no name, you know, putting SoundCloud out. And and so I respect it. I'm going cash. Oh, wow. This is interesting. I I think I'm going to go cash. It's, it's teeters. It's teeters because I feel like a lot of rappers, a lot of athletes rap because they have the ability to like, it's that simple. Like they have the money. So they're like, ah, I need something to do in my free time. I'm going to rap. And a lot of them shouldn't be. I'm sorry. Like, Lonzo Ball, just stop. You shouldn't be a rapper. You're terrible. Allen Iverson kind of had it going on. The only good one I've noticed is like Damian Lillard. He's like the only one who's actually really good. And shout out to Shaq. Shaq had a, a gold record. Granted, he was friends with Biggie, so I think he had some string pulling going on there. But we're going to go cash because much like rapping, much like acting, when it works, it works. And it's usually pretty good because, you know, they got money, so they can they can pay for the producers. It's not just some guy on SoundCloud throwing it up. So I'm going to go cash. Uh, Tom, this was your suggestion. Uh, making home appliances, or I'll put slash throwing your name on home appliances and reaping all of the money for that. Uh, of course, the George Foreman Grill, named famously after boxer George Foreman. So, Tom, cash or trash, making home appliances as a second career. Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, you get to take all the credit for something you really didn't do. And so in the case of George Foreman, I'd give it cash. In terms of like starting your own home appliance line, I don't know enough about that to comment. So I'll stay away from that one. But come on, George Foreman Grill, obviously made famous by the Michael Scott burning his foot scene in the office. Who could forget? Um, But uh, come on, cash. Tom, I, I think George Foreman girls were famous before the office. Made famous to me, therefore they're famous. Okay. Oh, so you, you lived a privileged life in which you did not have a George Foreman girl in the house? Is that what I'm hearing? I, I, I mean, I saw that episode when I was 10, maybe. So that that was the lasting memory to me. Tom, George Foreman girls were an integral part of my home growing up. So you know what? For that reason, I'm going trash. Not because of anything to do with me. Despite you. How dare you... <laughs> Have not had a George Foreman grill in your home is what I'm learning right now. You you lived such a privileged life. You didn't have a George Foreman grill. And you know, that hurts me to my core because it was essential in my home. I still use the George Foreman grill, all right? Not, not in my house currently because I don't ever cook when I'm home. But when I was living in college, I used the George Foreman grill frequently. And for that reason... We're going trash. I would have liked to have used something uh, more high scale like Tom Shively here got to do. So you're going trash because of how nostalgic and how good it makes you feel? Exactly. Tom, you understand. Exactly. That's that's chess, not checkers. Yeah, you're right. You got me there. Come on. Don't, don't. The the David Arroyo mind is an enigma. Exactly. Tom, (laughs) as a second career, gambling. Uh, the only good example I had here is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, of course, degenerate gambler. Uh, he gambles on the Charlotte Hornets every single week. So, Tom, gambling as a second career. Cash or trash? Pete Rose? No? No love? 
Oh, okay. That Fair wasn't enough. that wasn't really. I mean, yeah, obviously I mean, he was, a, was getting. Is that a third career because he was a manager who was gambling? Like, is that a third career? That's a good question. I don't know. That that's. I mean, it's, it's just post like being an athlete. So I guess anything you do afterwards is. Like Jordan is technically a general manager, but more of a gambler than that. So no, he's an owner. He's technically an owner, yeah. So more of a gambler than owner, probably he is. But as as a degenerate, I would like to admit, um, you know, I tend to place wagers on certain events that may or may not happen. I do that. I have to stand in solidarity with my fellow men who and women who place wagers and you know are willing to so to speak, put their money where their mouth is on certain things. You know, I certainly don't have as much stake in, you know, say the decades long future of an NBA franchise like Mr. Jordan does, but I stand with you, sir. If you want to gamble, it's your money. Do whatever you want with it. Uh, As a man who only ever does friendly wagers with friends, uh, I'm going trash. I mean, uh, I've thought a couple times about being a degenerate, throwing a couple bets down on NFL games, you know, ma- making it more interesting when I watch so I can yell at the TV about, oh, come on, come on, no score here, no score. We need the under, you know, something stupid like that. But I don't know. It's just not for me, not my vibe. I, I wish I had a more interesting answer here, but no, it's just, just not for me. I'm going to go is, trash. It, is, it has changed the sports watching experience for me. There was a time in my life where I would not watch a game that my team did not play in. Unless I had money on it. I've, I'm kind of growing away from that, but it, it, it is careful and please do it responsibly and never bet more than you're willing to lose. So that's my, that's my kind of public service announcement to, that's my, you know, gambling hotline at the end of every DraftKings commercial. Yeah. Do you know, do you know the gambling hotline number? Do you want to drop that in here real quick? I actually don't, to be honest. Tommy might need to get that number for you. 1-800-STOP-BETTING. I don't know. All right, Tom, before that one goes too off the rails, let's uh, let's move on to being a politician as a second career. Uh, there's a lot of examples of this for actors, but the only example for athletes I could think of was Kevin Johnson. He was a player on the Phoenix Suns in, I think, the 80s, 90s, I think it was 90s, uh, and then he became a politician in the state of Arizona. So, Tom, being a politician post-career, cash or trash? Uh, Gerald Ford played in college. That, I mean, it's not a pro athlete, but you he know, didn't whatever. get paid. That's do you think that we know of? Um, being a politician, I think politics is kind of a trash career. Um, but I think everybody's trash, so it's not going to make any sense. But I'm going cash because you're able to leverage success into a position of power. So, you know, more power to you for, uh, for, you know, being able to enact change or sit on your thumbs and do nothing, you know, whatever you want to do. So I, you know, uh, cash, I don't have a good reason for this one, to be honest. All right. Tom, Tom playing chess, much like I was a couple questions ago. Uh, I'm going to go trash because of all the reasons you basically said, like it being a politician, isn't a fun career to be in with. Like, you get yelled at by a lot of people who you don't know. Like you, you gotta like interact with people who you don't want to interact with. Like you know how you know how like you go to work right, and there's that person you really don't like at work, but you gotta just pretend like you like them. That's like that's politics to the nth degree. Like this person will say the most vile, heinous things about you, and then you gotta go work with that person every day, sit across from them. That's just terrible experience. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, trash. I'm gonna go trash. Uh, Tom, 
being a film producer. So the person I first thought of here, of course, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. He was a film producer post-career. He had won an Oscar for his efforts. There's also that guy who made the animated short about um, hair. I forget what it's called. I think it's called Hair Love, uh, but he was a former NFL player. Anyway, being a film producer as your second career, cash or trash? Cash, come on. It's Kobe Bryant. You know, he won an Oscar, NBA championship, MVPs, finals MVPs. Come on. It, it's being a film producer and being successful at it is one of, to me, the coolest careers in the world. I think it's so hard to be a creative enough and be savvy enough to kind of understand what people want to see. I think you kind of have to dictate you, you almost have to step out of yourself and go like, what would the viewer like? And I've always admired that. And I think being a film producer it is so many people dedicate their whole lives to it so that when someone else comes in and is successful at it, it it's really impressive to me. Cash. All right. Subtle flex here, but as somebody who has worked in this, uh, industry a little bit slight flex uh i've learned that being a film producer it feels like it's a lot more about who has the money not really who has the best taste with that being said though i'm still gonna go cash because if you both have the money and the taste you can you can like this could be a whole like this could be better than your first career where you know you could you could be reeling off hit after hit after hit, and you could be raking not only raking in the money, but raking in even more love. You could become you know, say in this case, you become Kobe Bryant film producer. People don't even talk about Kobe Bryant basketball player anymore. It's Kobe Bryant, the guy who produced insert movie that he potentially could have produced here. So I mean, I I just I think I think the the glamour of it is the reason I'm going cash. It, it's an interesting, very interesting career. Film producers are. They're something. They're very they're very interesting people. Follow up question, if David Arroyo was a pro athlete, uh, what would you do after you retired? If I was a pro athlete, well I honestly nothing. Like I'd I'd be that guy who like does random hits on sports networks to get paid and like that was it. Like I wouldn't do anything else. I'd want to just sit at home and do nothing. That's I, I I'd agree. You'd hop on NFL Live like once a week. Sounds like the dream. I take it back. I'd be a podcaster. That that would be my uh, post career. It's the diplomatic answer. I like it. Come on, uh, Tom. Last but not least, on cash or trash, reality TV stars. So the first person that I thought of was Terry Bradshaw. He has his TV show, The Bradshaw Bunch. You had uh, Aaron Rodgers' brother. I forget his name. Jordan Rodgers was on The Bachelor. Um, a ton of people have obviously been on Dancing with the Stars. Um, I think Jimmy Johnson was on Survivor. Obviously, well known for being a coach, but you know they've had a couple pro athletes that have been on there. So there's there's a few examples. So Tom, cash or trash? It's kind of desperate to me. So I think I think if you're still playing, you can almost kind of get away with it. But I don't know. It just seems like a kind of I still want attention, even though I'm 58 and have two bad knees, and you know probably run a six eight forty. So I'm out. Trash. Oh, this is the desperation angle. I didn't I didn't see that one coming. Oh, oh, Tom, I think you've swayed me. I, I was going to go cash because I, I think it's an easy way to stay in the spotlight. You don't really have to do anything other than like show a little bit more of your life than maybe you want to, but it's all scripted anyway. It's it's fake. It's not real. None of that stuff is real conflict. You know, I'm going to I'm going to stick to my guns. It's cash. You're you're getting paid to not do a lot. And 
you know, all you really got to do, show up, let the cameras film for a little bit, do what they tell you to do to create some fake conflict, and then they leave, and your life is pretty cool. So, I mean, you know, you're getting the bag for not a lot of work. That's always a cash endeavor. It's kind of like being an actor, so I'm glad I said trash for both, and I'm glad you said cash for both. So, I'm glad we have the same kind of line of thinking there. That's promising. We're, we're, it's promising that every now and then we're consistent. There's not exactly. a lot of consistency here, but sometimes we might give you a little, you know, we'll throw a wrench in the picture and uh, and change it up a little bit. You know, we like to be like to be uh, spontaneous, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, not a lot of time left. I real quick here on the end want to hit the uh, college football playoff was the rankings were announced last week for the first time. Um, top four, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson. Uh, Of those top four, every team won this week, except for Ohio State, who did not play this week. Uh, Tom, kind of explain that situation there with Ohio State and then potentially not making the Big Ten championship because of cancellations. So the Big Ten has eight games on the schedule. And to be eligible for the conference title, you have to have played at least six. Wisconsin has already missed three games, so they are actually ineligible for the championship. Ohio State then... If they miss one more after having this game, I think they had the game against Maryland two weeks ago was canceled. So if they miss one more, I think they have Michigan State and Michigan. So, hey, you know, maybe the rivals, somebody gets a little cough and you cancel the game. Ohio State gets left out of the championship conspiracy theory. What? But, you know, it's interesting, especially with how much emphasis the committee has put on winning your conference in the past to have Ohio State. Like, it's not a secret to anyone that they're the best team in the Big Ten, but to have, you know, like Indiana or Northwestern or whoever it is win the Big Ten championship and Ohio State not having that when a team like, you know, Clemson or, you know, maybe Florida and the SEC wins there. It's kind of where does that let Ohio State fit in with these teams that A, have played more games just naturally throughout the season having started earlier and B, have a conference championship compared to Ohio State not. So it's a tough situation. Obviously, we, we hope none of their games get canceled, but... It'll be interesting to see if that does happen, where that kind of puts them. Because they're only sitting on five games. That's not a huge sample size for them. And they didn't look great against Indiana. Tom, if if looking at the college football playoff, I, I would say you're the kind of, you, you know the, the playoff and college football better than I do. So I'm going to defer to you on this. Who was the most disrespected by the rankings? We'll start there. Who was the most disrespected by the rankings? I have to pull them up real quick because I'm just, I'm looking at the AP for I'll this give week. them to you real quick. I'll give you top 10. Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Ohio State 3, Clemson 4, Texas A&M 5, Florida 6, Cincinnati 7, BYU 8, Miami you're looking at 9. The, you're looking at the AP poll. I was looking at that too. That's not the playoff rankings. Ooh, big yikes. Because they don't come part. up till Tuesday. It was Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. I think Ohio State putting fourth below Clemson was a little disrespectful because Clemson yeah, they lose to Notre Dame. They didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Everybody knows that. But to put them ahead of an undefeated team, I think was a little a little questionable. I, I don't love that Ohio State was four. I actually think they I think they might be at least the third best team in the country, and I think they can maybe hold a hold a candle to Clemson. But Notre Dame, you know, they beat Clemson. Credit to them. I think they should be number two. I would have switched Ohio State and Clemson. I know you want me to say BYU, but I'm not going to because they're 14th. Why? They're what? They're nine and zero. But what has the committee cried about since day one? Strength of schedule. What is BYU's best win? Um, Boise State, a team who was then ranked and is now unranked. This is the year. I mean, you know, you had an opportunity to play Washington. They 
you know, whatever, if you could blame BYU for not wanting to go there, you could blame the Pac-12 for having tough protocols, contractual obligations, whatever you want to say, but you just can't play that kind of schedule and be one of the top four teams in the country. And I'm not shocked. I think Cincinnati maybe has a chance if a lot of teams lose, but it's not BYU's year as much as people want to see Zach Wilson. That, that was kind of my next question for you, Tom. Like, what what do you think the chances are right now of Cincinnati getting into the playoff? Because to me, looking at the playoff, right, all you really need is A&M Florida. It, they're not winning the SEC, so I think that's easy opportunity for Cincinnati to jump them. And then really you just need to jump one of Notre Dame, Clemson, or Ohio State. I think if Clemson beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, they'd both get in. But oh, oh, is Ohio State the the best candidate right now for Cincinnati to jump and then be the first group of five team to make the playoff? I, I think the best candidate to get knocked out is Clemson because they already have the loss. So they have to lose to Notre Dame. I think maybe that opens the door for Cincinnati, but a team like Florida that's already ahead of Cincinnati and maybe they don't lose the rest of the way, especially A&M as well. Cause I think Florida still has the inside track to win the East. So they're going to have to play Alabama in the championship. They're probably going to lose that game. But as long as this four-team playoff is around, it is never going to open the door for a non-power conference team that is not Notre Dame. And I I just don't see a path for Cincinnati or BYU, which sucks. It does, you know, to go undefeated in any sport and not have a chance to play for the championship. We saw it with UCF three years ago. You know, the kind of undisputed national champions they called themselves. But it's a broken system. And and as messed up of a year as this is i think that is the one true constant that the playoff will still be cookie cutter conference champion you know power teams that play a good schedule and that that's what the committee values and that that, that's never going to change until you expand the playoff tom i'll I'll give you the scenario you ready a&m loses next week to auburn there's their second loss boom out of here get out of here a&m then yeah, Florida lose SEC championship, Alabama. Boom, they're out of here. Two losses. Northwestern loses in either the Big Ten championship or sometime before then. There's a loss. Boom, Northwestern, out of here. Ohio State doesn't play in the Big Ten championship. Boom, out of here. Cincinnati into the playoff. What, what do you got, like 12 outcomes there? I'll give it to you. I'll give Cincinnati the playoff if that happens. You, you can have it. You can have it. Just like UCF would have made it if XXXXXXX and Y happened in 2017. They would have been right there. You're right. They were so close. Yeah, Tom, they were knocking on Tom, the door. we're talking 2017, you know, a fairly normal year by <laughs> most standards to 2020. 2020 has been chaos. So I just, I need this. I need something. And so I'm hoping Cincinnati can pull this one out for the good people of America and the good people, I guess, of Ohio. I don't know how good the people are of Ohio, but I mean, no disrespect to Ohio. I guess shout out. I don't know. It's not Ohio State. I mean, I'd, I'd root for Cincinnati. You know, they're I, I prefer them to a certain other school a couple hours north. So, give them that. Luke Fickle is their coach, former uh, former Ohio State assistant. I think maybe interim coach for when they had the whole Jim Trestle thing going on. But Luke Fickle's the Cincinnati coach. I did not know that. Well, I see. What would be fun here is Cincinnati make the playoff because then we can all make the jokes of Cincinnati, the best team in Ohio. Which would be amazing, like that. That'd be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm pulling for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I, I want to see a group of five team get in here. Only problem with that is then the committee can conceivably claim, hey, look, a, a group of five team can make it, and then they won't change anything. So that would be a problem. 
but I'm still pulling. Oh, that's exactly what they would do. That's such a good point. They would be there. See, you know, it is an equal opportunity playoff. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to wait and see with that. Uh, that wraps up our show, though. Another edition of There's a Lot Going On in the Books. Just another reminder here, if you made it to the end, it means you definitely love the show. So go on to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating. Go on, leave a comment, a review. Tell us something. You know, say something nice. Ask a question. Give us some topic ideas. Anything, you can leave it there over on iTunes. Tell Tom how terrible he is. Uh Everyone, we hope you enjoyed this one. Again, we're part of Blue Wire Hustle now. It's just, you know, we're going to try and hit all the notes here at the end. Tom, wrap this up for us. Any final words? Uh, I want to defend the University of Washington. I've always said play a terrible non-conference schedule if you're in a big conference. So don't play BYU. No, 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 Washington. Come on. Stick with a regular boring opponent and move on and take your win. Get out of here. Pay some team a million dollars. Get your win. Move on. So that that's your, your closing note is Washington did the right thing. Yes. All right, Washington did the right thing, and we did the wrong thing, letting Tom have the last word there, so I'm going to make sure I have the last word. Thanks for listening to There's a Lot Going On. We'll be back here next Monday for another brand new edition of all the craziness that you just heard and the mess that I'm going to have to edit in about five minutes.